welcome yeah. to season two. Oh my god season two i woke up at five this morning to finish the book that is horrible. no i woke up at four this morning to finish the book i thought you said you finished it the other day thursday night I, I was on track to finish it, and then after I texted you that and got the okay for us to record this morning, I said, let's go see Thor Love and Thunder. No, because I'm going to go see it tonight. I'm so excited. It was excited. really good. It was really good. I'm so excited. Hello, and welcome to Young Adult Adult Reviews, where two youngish adults review books meant for much younger adults. Or children. I'm Honor. And I'm Chloe, and this week we are discussing, kicking off season two, with the Shadow and Bone trilogy by Lee Bardugo. And if you haven't read it yet, here's the spoiler warning. We also have content warnings for sexual assault, so be warned. And without further ado, let's get into the summary. Get into it, yeah. Alina is a soldier of Ravka, and her regiment is about to be sent on a supply run into the fold, a scourge of darkness across the land filled with monsters that divides their country in two. In her regiment is her best friend, a tracker named Mal that she's hopelessly in love with. Could never relate to that. Um, (laughs) They grew up together as orphans. The trip across the fold is accompanied by magic users known as the Grisha. They are all snobby members of the second army led by a powerful summoner called the Darkling. But they make for good defense. The trip across the fold very quickly goes wrong. Winged beasts called Volcra start picking people off one by one. As Mal gets clawed apart in front of her, Alina clings to him as a Volcra tries to carry her off, but then everything goes white. She wakes up to an interrogation in front of the Darkling himself. Everyone is calling her a Sun Summoner, but that's crazy. When she was tested for being a Grisha as a kid, she got no results. Besides, no one has seen a Sun Summoner in centuries. But the Darkling is an amplifier for magic, and sure enough, with a touch he brings out her powers in front of everyone. Without getting to say goodbye to Mal, who survived, Alina is quickly whisked away to the capital of Os Alta, told she will be in grave danger of foreign assassins. On the journey, she does indeed meet assassins. The Darkling saves her life with a cool display of power, and in a heart-to-heart, he discloses that he is the great-great-great-grandson of the man who made the fold, the Black Heretic. He says that he lives his life trying to undo his damage. At Alselt, Alina shows her magic to the king and queen and meets a friendly servant named Genya. With that, her life at court and Grisha school begins. School sucks. Relatable. Alina isn't good at anything, be it fighting or magic. She can't even use her power without an amplifier, and Mal isn't answering her letters. The block on her magic is so bad that the Darkling discusses killing a mythical beast known as Morozova's stag to turn into an amplifier for Alina. She's open to the idea, especially after he kisses her to really sell her on it. But as fall turns to winter, Alina has a breakthrough with her mentor, Bagra. She realizes that she's still holding on to Mal, and that it had always been a choice between him or her powers. She mentally dumps him on his ass, and unlocks her true potential. And now, she really gets to work. At a winter's ball in the palace, Alina sees Mal for the first time in forever. He says he hasn't gotten any of her letters. In fact, he's been tracking Morozova's stag for the Darkling. It exists, and he's found it. Alina is pretty sore about the terse conversation with Mal, so she goes and makes out with the Darkling. When he leaves her, Bagra appears and tells her that the Darkling is her son and that he was the black heretic who created the fold. He just faked his death a bunch. Whoever kills Morozova's stag holds power over it. The Darkling intends to kill it and give Alina the necklace so he can control her, slaying Volkra as he expands the fold. 
Alina flees into the permafrost and after a few close calls runs into Mal. Mal has deserted his post after he got orders to start tracking Alina. They decide to track the stag together since Mal is like the best tracker ever. Mal confesses his feelings to Alina and apologizes for being an idiot for not seeing her love sooner and they kiss. Inspired by their love, I guess, the stag appears. Alina doesn't want to kill it and is determined to find another way to use it as an amplifier. Oh no, the Darkling was following them. He ganks the stag and puts its antlers around Alina's neck. He now has control over her and he takes her to the fold to really take this new power for a test drive. The Darkling, wow. The Darkling widens the fold and leaves Mal to die on it, but Alina realizes that because she spared the stag, she got just as much claim to it as the Darkling does for killing it. So she girl bosses his manipulation and flees with Mal across the true sea. Book two, Mal and Alina are in Ketterdam, but they get found out pretty quickly. The Darkling captures them and demands they find the Rusalysk. I think that's how you say it. Another <laughs> mythical creature to use as an amplifier. But wait, a Grisha can only have one amplifier. The Darkling explains that Morozova's animals are different. They're meant to be used together and Alina is going to do it. On a pirate ship with a captain called Sturmhond, Mal manages to track the beast, but Sturmhond punks out the Darkling and captures it for himself. He takes Mal and Alina too, so she can slay it and wear it as an amplifier. Sturmhond ain't really Sturmhond. He's Nikolai Lansov, the bastard prince of Ravka. He loves his country, and he's willing to do whatever it takes to save it. Returning to Os Alta, Alina and Mal beg pardon from the king with Nikolai. After receiving it, Alina starts to play the games of the court with Mal as the captain of her guard, along with two of Nikolai's pirate crew, Tamron and Tolia. Nikolai, while a lovable rogue, is also a little schemer. He's trying to peacefully usurp the throne from his older, incompetent brother. He wins the people's favor through kindness and is trying to sidle up to Alina as a king-son-summoner-power couple. Which, you can imagine, Mal is thrilled about. Alina feels like she's losing it. She's seeing the Darkling everywhere she goes. On top of that, the people have promoted her to sainthood. Then, there's the third part of Morozova's hunt, the Firebird. If only they knew where to find it! Nikolai's older brother goes behind his back and makes a trade deal that allows Fierda access to some inconsequential back roads. These roads allow the Darkling access to invade the castle. Nikolai goes missing in the action. In a fight for their lives in a cathedral, Alina pulls an Uno reverse card and starts to use the Darkling's powers against him, turning her hair white. She and her remaining friends escape into the tunnels beneath Ravka, where they find refuge with a religious sect that worships her as a saint. But there's one problem. She can no longer use her powers. Book 3. Alina is kept underground by the Apparat for months on end, but her friends finally intervene to get her out of there. They set off to find Nikolai, following rumors of the Prince of the Air. He has flying boats. I didn't mention this in the summary, but uh, Alina gets her powers back at this point because she's no longer like 30 feet under the ground. That's crazy. Uh, <laughs> that's crazy. When you're closer to the sun, it's easier to use it. That's anyway. wild. Who <laughs> would think? Anyway, they find Nikolai. He takes them to his sanctuary where they recuperate. Nikolai escaped with Bagra, who reveals that Morozova was her father. She had a sister who was not a Grisha. Alina wonders if she accidentally fucked her cousin, the Darkling. <laughs> <laughs> Awkward. Awkward. <laughs> the Darkling finds their hideout and corrupts Nikolai with darkness. Alina and company decide they can't wait any longer. They head off for where they think the Firebird is. 
Eventually, they find the Firebird, but not without romantic anguish between Alina and Mal. But they realize that the Firebird isn't the amplifier. Mal is. <gasps> He's such a good tracker because Morozova resurrected his daughter, and that curse was passed down through her line. So, Alina didn't fuck her cousin, but she did fuck the Darkling's cousin. However, Alina can't handle the idea of having to kill Mal, but in a final confrontation on the fold, he doesn't give her a choice. He makes her shove the knife into his heart, and she spreads her power far and wide. Shocked that Alina is now powerless and struck by his loneliness in the world, the Darkling falls into despair as Alina kills him. And of course, because we can't have sad endings in this household, Mal is back too. Nikolai becomes uncorrupted with the Darkling's death. Alina and Mal fake their deaths on the fold. She turns down Nikolai's offer to make her a queen and retires to the orphanage where she and Mal grew up. Their lives are normal. They are happy. The end. The end. end. Honor, what did you think of this book? (laughs) Me about to ask you. (laughs) Uh, Well, you've read this series already. What did you think? What did you think the second time around? I like it. Um... I'm still really annoyed with the pace of the second and start of the third books because it's oh just my god a drag to get through. But the first book I love. I mean, I go through that like instantly. It's just it just is such a quick, easy read. It's enjoyable. It's very much like 2012 YA novel kind of a read, which is exactly what it is, right? It's exactly like, what it is, but it it just fits so well with that with that era and that vibe that you're looking for if you go for those books. And so it was a good reread. I I enjoyed it. Still don't like the second and start of the third books, but that's okay. <laughs> Nikolai is yeah. the only thing to make it bearable. <laughs> Oh my god, I love Nikolai. We can talk about him later. Anyway, I had not read this series before. This was my first time going through it. And before we like recorded this episode, you were telling me that I had to read this before reading Six of Crows, because if I read Six of Crows first and then went back to read this, I wouldn't be able to get through it. Yeah, literally. Because... Also, like, there are some things that, like, this is all a prequel to Six of Crows. Like, this all happens, I think, two years before Six of Crows. This is just lore. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, you, yeah, you have to read this first. That is good to know, because I did cave and watch uh, the first episode of the Netflix original series, because, oh my god, most of the actors they cast in that, I was like, (laughs) no, I know, they're such good fits. Oh my god, so hot. (laughs) Anyway, this was my first time reading the series. I I really liked it. Like you said, these were super quick reads. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know if it's like the text size on the page or what. I think they are fairly short. I was zooming. I was at work reading these. And when I was like distracted and like doing my job and shit, I still got through (laughs) an entire book through one of my shifts. So I thought that was like, that was an enjoyable aspect because even though like the pacing was kind of weird in certain spots, like it it was... It was bearable because of how quick they were, I guess. Mm -hmm. I do agree with you with the pacing on the second book, especially because like the whole first and third books are like, we are going to go after these like mythical beasts. Mm -hmm. And the whole point of the book is to like slay them. And like, of course, on the new covers, like all the animals of Morozova's hunt are on the covers. They kill the second beast within like two pages. I know. And then you spend the rest of the book. Dragging in into court. nothingness. <laughs> what is it about the middle book 
in trilogies always being the longest and always being the slowest. I don't know. It's the longest and for what? Nothing happens. I know. It doesn't I mean, have to be like that. There's no reason. Well, Nikolai Lantsov is my reason. But, well, yeah, but he's uh, the only reason. Out of that entire book. The only exception. Yeah. <laughs> you are the only <laughs> but, um, exception. And then how quick the pacing was in the first part of book two is made even funnier by the fact that in the third book, when they're like reading Morozova's journals or whatever, it took him two years to hunt it down. I know. And I like how it's just like explained away as like, oh, Mal is just like a really good tracker. And I think that it was like somewhere around the second book where I was like, I don't think he's just a really good tracker. Like There's the stag, no sure, I can suspend yeah. my disbelief, but... But from- Finding this in six days? It took them six days to find this fucking sea monster. In water. In water. And he's just like, I don't know. I just feel it. And I think the thing that really tipped me off is when he like, he had to explode a canister of blast powder to give an Alina a passageway to the sun uh, mm-hmm. when they were down with like the apparat in his in his cathedral tunnels or whatever. And he was like, I put a beetle in the <laughs> in the box so I would know where to aim. And I was like... That's not how anything works. Like, there's something <laughs> weird going on here. But yeah, like, other than that, I didn't have too much of a problem with pacing, you know? Like, it was just, like, minor minor, minor qualms, if you will. Yeah. Pretty enjoyable reads overall. Loved the characters. Don't know if I'd read it again. But I liked it. <laughs> Honestly, that's fair. I do feel like her writing is so much better in her later books. And I would absolutely mm-hmm. reread those. Okay, the first book of this, I would reread over and over. The second mm-hmm. two, I probably wouldn't. <laughs> no, right? Like, it's just, like... It just drags. And it was, like, such a... It was so symptomatic of, like, these trilogies that were published, like, circa 2012, you know? Like, specifically 2012. I don't know what it was about that fucking year. Something uh, about that year. But, like, there was something about that year where, like, the publishing industry was just, like, ripe for YA trilogies. Mm-hmm. Might have been The Hunger Games. Might have been The Hunger Games and everyone was yeah. like, I need three books of magical worlds to shove down my gullet. <laughs> and that's what it was. They were shoving them down their gullet. And the first book was very thought out. And the rest just felt like afterthoughts. Yep. I'm not saying when you, that... Wait, when you take six years to write the first book, but then you have two months to write the second. <laughs> Fuck! <laughs> No, literally, because like, I'm not saying that the other two necessarily felt like afterthoughts, because I do think this trilogy was more well planned out than many books of its time, like many other series of its time. Mm -hmm. However, there are some things like with Mal being an amplifier, I was like, she can't have thought about that in the first book, you know, because I really do think that Mal just began as a really good chapter. And then in book two, she started to plant the seeds for that. It's just, it's so good. No, it is good. But I agree. It does feel like it does feel like it was kind of an afterthought just with the way it was created. But I think it fits well enough. Like you know, sometimes it's like, oh, this was really an afterthought and you stuck this in here and it doesn't fit with how you started. Oh, the divergent. <laughs> but with this one I feel like it did fit with his beginning character, so yeah, like, if it was an afterthought, it was one that made sense. Because, yes. honestly, like, sometimes you have really good fucking ideas that don't come until it's too late to change anything. But you can still, like, kind of mold and shape that idea. And, of course, like, if you had, like, thought about it when you were writing the first one, you probably could have foreshadowed it better. But, like, as far as things go, it 
was a logical progression. Mm-hmm. If say- a little bit, like, I'm going to suspend my disbelief a little bit, you know? Yeah. Because if, if... My whole thing I was thinking about is, like, if Mal was an amplifier, why did being hung up on him block Alina's power? That's Girl, the biggest thing where I'm, like, inconsistencies. Is it, though? Because have you ever been that hung up over a guy that all logical sense is out the window? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so is it that far-fetched? <laughs> But you'd think it'd be, like, this I, thing where she's, like, oh, I, like, because her, her pull to the Darkling in book one or whatever, which is, like, first of all, his name is literally the Darkling. <laughs> Why did you think he was going to be good? Right. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, he she has, like, this pull to the Darkling, and she's, like, oh, I love the way that he makes me feel and brings my power out. And it's this, like, allure to power that really, like, draws her and the Darkling together. But... Mal is just like this roadblock when really he should be serving the same purpose and I get the whole thing where it's like oh he's not dead yet and then later in the third book they try and say it's like oh after we kissed for the first time was when the stag appeared what does that have to do with amplifying yeah exactly but I think honestly I think it's because I mean beforehand she had no idea of her power I mean she she hit it when they were kids or whatever, like, she avoided all of that. And then it wasn't until a very traumatic event forced it to come out that she learned mm-hmm. of her powers. So, A, you already have a, a... She has abandonment issues. Yeah, but she's she's got a fear of of having that. She has the fear of abandonment. And then on top of that, you know, anything that you do in your daily life is affected by your feelings, period. Um, and the fact that she feels like she was abandoned because she's writing all these letters to Mal and there's nothing coming back to her and everybody's telling her, just do this, just do this, just do this. But that is And of course, let's not forget that she's an orphan. Yes. And that is directly tied to her connection with Mal. I think it makes sense that she would have a blockage because of that. And it's not until she has so much anger with him about it that she's able to fix it and not even well. Yeah, because I guess, like, the way that they kind of, like, look at it is it's this very much, like, self-imposed blockage where mm-hmm. she didn't know that she could have both at the same time. Because in her childhood, of course, like, all she saw when the Grisha came to test her was, like, if I answer this call inside me, they will take me away from Mal. Yes. And so it's either Mal or her power. Therefore, she just never called upon it again because she didn't know that she could. And um, She shoved it away. She shoved it away. And, you know, in the third book, I do believe that the way that they explain, like, the stag coming out after he kissed her was, like, they were close. And I guess, like, them being close, like, that was the first time, like, the amplifier, like, really, like, tried to come out of him, mm-hmm. I guess. And the amplifiers have this, like, instinctive need to be with each other. Yes. So the stag came out as well and was like, I'm here now. Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Which I guess is, like, also why the Rusalyusk or whatever came out pretty quickly. Yeah, that's true. Even though Mal and Alina were separated during that point, but she did have the stag as well, so they were just kind of, like, all three together. But it together. could be because he was with her with the stag that he w- had a better tracking sense. Yeah, and the Rusalyusk would probably be drawn to the but, signature of the stag as well. But the first time, he had no other amplifier, so... It was his actual tracking skills. That's true. So he really is just a good tracker. Yeah. 
Well, they I mean, do. of I'm course, with the, with his the draw to the world. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> with all from of him the being a freak of, of fucking nature. So this book has a very rich cast of characters. There were so many, in fact, that I could not list them all in the summary, <laughs> which is another thing I want to talk about. And we talked about this in our episode on Divergent, where, especially in this era, it's very symptomatic of this era of writing, where the authors just keep needing characters to fill these certain roles, but also the characters keep dying. So you create a bunch of characters to fill these roles, and they keep dying. So their deaths kind of start to lose their meaning because there's so many names that you can hardly keep track of them. Like there was one person, I think it was in like book three, there was one person that was just like hanging out on their ship. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even know where they came from. I like became aware of them being there in that scene. And then like two pages later, they died. No, And I was like... (laughs) Because the first time I read through it, I had that exact same reaction. I was like, wait, who is this? And then they died. And I was like, oh, I guess it doesn't matter. I had to like flip back through and I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) Was it like one of, was it one of Nikolai's pirates or whatever? I don't really, yeah. Like the 22nd or whatever. They're Um, not important. (laughs) And I will say this book is not as guilty of like character packing, if you will, as some are. Like Divergent, I think was the worst example of that I've ever seen. Yeah. But like, I will say there are enough continuous characters in this series where I still like feel attached to them and I would be sad if something happened. Like, uh, for example, when Nikolai got corrupted by the darkness and he got turned into that little freaky beast (laughs) and his eyes turned black and he grew wings and talons and shit and was just kind of like running around wreaking havoc, (laughs) being a monster. The fact that he was still like fighting it off though while he wasn't at... No, like when when the Darkling like threw him before he corrupted him and he just like hit the ground and went still, I was like, no. <laughs> I was like, Nikolai, no. Nikolai. No, for me it was Nikolai, please. It was actually Jenya for me because Jenya. That was so horrible. I mean, it was a fate that she chose out of fear. Let's uh, talk about Jenya a little bit because we okay. didn't go over her too much in the summer. Oh, absolutely. You wanna you wanna start us off? Uh, Jenya was the servant that Alina was assigned to. Well, not really. Jenya just kind of like worked her way into <laughs> Alina's life. Yep. <laughs> Even though she was technically like she was the a queen's. servant to the queen. Yeah. Yeah, and like while the Grisha are above a lot of like the normal people, uh, the Grisha have kind of this caste system of their own. Where, ah, oh shit, it's in the beginning of the book. The corporalki are at the top. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but it's like corporal. Mm-hmm. Corporal forms and like magic relating to that are at the top. And that's like healers and heart renders, which is like herders, I guess, if you wanted to say that. Uh, they hurt people. Uh, <laughs> then there's the ethereal-ki, matters dealing with the ethereal. So we have like the, the firebenders, the airbenders, and the waterbenders. Uh, nice. They all have different names, but I'm just going to call them that. Nice. And then at the lowest, we have the materialki relating to the material plane. And we have, what is it? It's like fabricators. It's at the front of your book. I don't want to look at it, Honor. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, I'm I, looking at how it. How dare I try to help you out? I mean, honestly, what was I thinking? And then we have the materialki, which is like the fabricators or whatever. And it's like in that order. And of course, uh, Genya's like at the very bottom. And the fabricators are kind of like relegated to the servant class. As yeah, like the the not least respected in battle, apparently. Yeah, they're not useful in battle, but I don't know. They're pretty good at inventing shit. Anyway, there's this theme throughout all the books of like powerful men using 
women and their powerful gifts for themselves and also trying to pass it off as their own. Uh, and that's a recurring theme in the book that I'd like to explore after we talk about Genya. Okay, so she's essentially built up to be Alina's best friend in the first book while Mal's off doing all his tracking stuff. On his hunt. On his hunt. And so Genya basically puts herself into a position where Alina is like pretty much relying heavily on her for, you know, emotional things that she can't figure out. As one does with the therapist. <laughs> sorry i had to time that with my mom's door closing um and so you kind of honestly start to feel for her a little bit because you know she's so she is someone that alina relies pretty pretty heavily on and i think we as readers start to connect with jenny because of that i mean jenny gives a little bit of backstory not a lot she doesn't really open up too much but you do hear kind of some of the, or notice some of the problems that she deals with as being a queen's servant, as being a lower rank. You see when Alina chooses a lower rank, um, what's the outfit called? Kefta's. Yeah, you see when Alina chooses a lower rank Kefta that Jenya is like, why would you do that? Why would you ever do that? Because Alina is offered to wear black, which is only a color that is worn by the Darkling. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I want to wear summoner's blue. Because she's a sun summoner, you know? Yep. And Jenny's like, you make no sense to me. <laughs> mm-hmm. but and then I, Alina's like, oh, fuck, she'd probably, like, kill for a chance like this. Exactly. Um, and so you see from some of that side story, that side commentary, just how much, you know, Jenya kind of goes through. At a certain point, Jenya is basically given a chance to go and be saved, and instead she chooses the path of the Darkling. She follows the mm-hmm. Darkling. And you don't see her again for a while. Alina leaves. And when Alina and Jenya meet up again, the next time, Jenya is covered in horrible scars that are racking her face. And one of Jenya's main points is that she's, you know, she she beautifies everyone. She's described as extremely beautiful in the first book. She has flawless skin, you know, gorgeous eyes, beautiful hair, and... Mm-hmm. She takes pride in that. That is her... And that is her use to the queen as well. Yes, that she is beautiful and that she can make others beautiful. And next time you see her, she is no longer beautiful to herself because she is covered in all of these scars and everything. And that was just so painful because for something that you know someone holds on to so tightly, that is their a main core of themselves to have that taken and snatched away from them. Um, and even though I think Alina still views Jenya as beautiful, even with the scars, you can tell that Jenya does not believe it. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, just, it's horrible. And it's, it's because she chose to follow that path and stay on that out of fear. And it's just like, you could have avoided this and you chose that. And this is what happened because of it. And it's just, it's, it's horrible. Right. And, uh, I think another big part of Jenya's character is... In her service to the king, I think the first thing that she says to Alina when she arrives at Os Alta is she says, make sure you lock the doors. And so it's kind of this thing that's heavily implied that Jenya has been sexually assaulted by the king yes. uh, and that he does that to many, many, many servants. And it doesn't come out like a solid, irrefutable truth until the third book when Nikolai is kind of holding his father on trial with Jenya because Jenya is accused of treason because she eventually poisons the king. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, well, like, 
you poisoned him. Like, how did you slip it into his food? And she's like, I did it using my body. And I, every time he touched me, every time he kissed my lips, he took the poison into his body and he did this to himself. And of course, part- this is after she's heavily scarred. And once she's heavily scarred, uh, people start calling her the ruined, which of course is a very loaded word, especially when it comes to a woman who has been sexually assaulted, mm-hmm. right? But then uh, she kind of reclaims that and she's like, I am not ruined. I am ruination. Think- and that is kind of like the theme of the third book, which I think is really powerful uh, for her to reclaim that. I think the other thing that's interesting is you see throughout this that the queen is aware of what's happening. She knows And what's she does going not on. care. She does not care. She does not stop it. In fact, she's almost jealous of Jenya because of it. Mm-hmm. Which is a horrible thing as someone who is sexually assaulted to have to go through, to know that people know what you're going through, and the fact that they are jealous of you for something that you wish would never happen. Mm-hmm. That you wish exactly. you could erase from your mind and your memory. And they're saying, I wish I was in that position. Right. And, um, again, it's this theme of powerful men using women. Uh, because I believe this is said in the first book. Jenya was given to the queen as a gift. A gift by who? The Darkling. The Darkling gifted Jenya to the queen. And then when Alina is like, why did you do that? He says, she has her uses. Mm-hmm. Of course, like, Alina is kind of, like, making excuses for him at this point. Uh, so she's like, oh, well, then it can't be that bad if he is the one who stationed her there. But the thing is, he put her there knowing what she would be used for yep. and knowing what would happen to her. And I think it's so sad because Jenya is uh, a tailor, which is, like, again, this class that beautifies people. And technically, that falls in the, under the corporalki cast of Grisha. So she could have been the highest rank, like, one of the highest ranking soldiers but instead she was relegated to the lowest task because that is what the darkling deemed that she was most useful for and i just think and it's like of course she has like this wonderful talent but it's not anything that uses her uses her set of skills to its full potential and the darkling just like saw her as like another pretty face that he could use yep which is very dark very dark and very on brand to like speak more on this theme of like powerful men using powerful women that are like better than them uh this happens to alina like three times throughout the book so like first of course we have the darkling in book one i think that's pretty obvious and self-explanatory book two uh let's talk about nikolai he used because as much as we love him he's a little user he is and he doesn't really hide it yeah he's kind of he's really shameless about it because when um he is taking Alina back from the true sea in, into Osalta. They're kind of going on this like victory tour from the coast and whatnot. Uh, and over the this time, like Alina is reaching sainthood and the people are deifying her. And Nikolai is kind of doing this thing where he's like being all touchy feely with her in public and shit. And he's like, like, listen, like it or not, you're a public figure now, and we have to, like, do this to maintain appearances to get people to like you, and more importantly, to get people to like me, mm-hmm. is this kind of thing. And there's this one point on their tour back to the capital uh, where all he says is, please don't punch me, and then he kisses her. And then, of course, they, like, get into private and she kicks him, like, twice. As she should. Yeah, and then it's not until... I believe I believe uh, Nikolai's older brother... So first, first Nikolai proposes to Alina, right? And then Nikolai's older brother, Vasily, 
proposes to Alina. And then Nikolai, like, uh, gets her alone again. And then he's like, oh, yeah, he proposed to you, didn't he? And then Alina's like, yeah, he did. And Nikolai's was like, oh, you know, like, my offer still stands. And then she's like, you're being fucking creepy. Yeah. And then he's like, and that that is his wake-up call. And he's like, I'm being creepy? You think I'm being creepy? <laughs> He's like, like, no one's ever called me creepy before. They think I'm roguishly handsome and charming. Uh, And then she's like, yeah, you're being a fucking creep. Stop. And then that is the point where he backs off Mm -hmm. and is kind of like more respectful about things. But I think the interesting thing is even from the get go, he wasn't actually interested in her. He didn't love her. He didn't, you know, want to be with her for the rest of his life. He was doing it to get something out of that relationship. I do think eventually he fell a little bit in love with her. After I think she stood her ground against him, which is when he when started he was like, to back fuck, off. that's hot. No, exactly. He's like, I like strong women. He's like, no one's ever told me no before. <laughs> um, so, you know, I think it's interesting that he was like, wait, what? Like, he's like, you don't want to marry me? I'm so confused. It's like, dude, you don't want to marry her either. You're just doing it to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no exactly and um, why would you think she would have a different reaction <laughs> i don't know i do like his character arc because it is this thing where men tend to not examine their actions because they don't view themselves as threatening mm-hmm. but then uh when women call them out on it they can either lash out and say oh like not all men or they can re-examine their actions take a step back and change mm-hmm. you know and I think he is a good example of that, where it's like, hey, you're being a fucking creep. And he's like, oh, fuck, I never thought of it like that. And then he doesn't do it anymore, right? But of course, then we have, like, the opposite end of the spectrum with the Darkling, uh, where she's like, hey, you fucking suck. And he's like, let me put on your crush's face and sleep with you. Uh, uh, which was, yikes. So back to the main point at hand, which was the men that are using Alina. So we have the third guy in the book, which is the, like, what was the priest? The apparat. The apparat. He's basically a mm-hmm. big priest. Um, <laughs> and he basically takes her down after the, the horrific events that, you know, with the Darkling where she, she turned basically into nothingness. I mean, she was skin and bones, malnourished. Uh, her hair had gone completely white. Like... Everything that, you know, is very much a sign of life was was dissipating from her. And he sticks her in this cave, like, 30 feet underground, and tells all of the people that are down there, oh, we have saved the saint, we are, you know, taking care of her and all of this. And then he continues to not help her, continues to keep her in that malnourished, uh, incapable state, uses her to show off to the people underground, to show, oh, here's the saint, like, here's, she's so amazing, and she's like, I don't want to be the saint, I don't want to be called that, and he's specifically throwing that name out in front of all of these followers, trying to get them to do what he wants because he's the one that's taking care of the saint and, oh, it's the saint's orders and this and that and the other. Mm-hmm. And she has no say in the matter. She has no power left to fight against him. Um, even her friends have trouble getting to see her because... Because he's isolating he's her. isolating her purposefully and they have to create these absolutely outrageous ways to try and contact her Mm -hmm. i mean it's because he's also scheduling every second of every day for her Mm -hmm. and every time that she's not busy she's stuck in her own room away from anybody Mm -hmm. 
Exactly, because it's like, oh, you need to rest. And she is too powerless to stop him because the apparat's whole thing is that he was using Alina when he thought she was dead. Mm-hmm. And a dead saint is a whole lot easier to craft a message to than an yeah. alive one who has something to say about it. Because she said, I want to tell the people I'm alive. I want them to know that I'm still here. And he was like, nope, nope, no, 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 not yet. Not yet. We, She's like, we- I want them to stop selling my finger bones. Uh, yeah, exactly. And he's like, That's because not when work. when word spread that Alina was dead, people started to sell like parts of her body as like protection, like they do in the Catholic Church. I actually think it might be uh, this religion might be based on orthodoxy, probably like uh, orthodox Catholic and whatnot, because the world is quite inspired by Russian traditions, which would be the Orthodox Church, which to, to sidebar for a second here, I love that she kind of went with this Russian aesthetic for this fantasy world because I just feel like everything is so, like, Western European. I guess, like, Russia could still technically be considered the West, but it's further East than a lot of people go, mm-hmm. uh, especially when it comes to, like, writing fantasy. And I just really enjoy kind of the the, the, the rich cultural landscape that's present uh, in these books. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I don't know. It was a cool aesthetic to, to go after. I really it enjoyed is. it. Back to the church. Back to the church. Back to the church. Back to the church. Which is ironically also where she lost everything. Oh my god, right? You know, the church is where you find yourself. That is where she lost herself. That is where she lost everything in her sense of identity. Mm-hmm. Because, I don't know, it kind of like really goes into the, the interesting like implications and repercussions of deifying a person. Uh, especially one who is still alive, living, and breathing. Because it kind of like shows like the danger that you can fall into because Alina, of course, has this pull to the darkness as a lot of uh, heroines with like a tie to darkness tend to have. Uh, Usually if there's like a bad guy that they have a romance with and then like, he's like, come to the dark side. You and I are one and the same. Like, like draws to like. And she's like, I'm nothing like you. And then like something happens. And then she's like, maybe I am like him. And then she's like, no, I'm nothing like him. (laughs) Which book did I just describe? Uh, Probably so many. (laughs) All, All of them. All of them. Uh, But she kind of, like, has this, like, uh, intense pull to the dark side uh, where she enjoys inflicting suffering and she enjoys this power that she has. uh, And she kind of has to reflect for a sec and be like, wait a minute. Because the whole thing is that the Darkling created the fold because he was greedy. And it's like, what what is limitless other than man's greed? Certainly not my patience. Uh, So it's this thing where she has to rein in her own ambition. And I think that's kind of easier for her to do and not fall to the dark side. Because, of course, like, after she gets the uh, the scales of the Rusulyuk around her... R- Rusulyuk? I don't know how to say it. After she gets it around her wrist, immediately she's like, I need this third fucking amplifier. Like, I need it. Or else my I'm it's not addiction. complete without it. Uh-huh. Yeah. But through the bonds that she forms and the power of friendship, she really kind of like reins her my greed back in because she's like, my little pony. <laughs> End credit <Jesus> scenes. <laughs> End credit scenes. Uh, but she, in her bond to Mal especially, she's like, if this is what power is going to take, then it's not fucking worth it because she does feel bad for every life that is lost even if it's like technically not her fault mm-hmm. like when the darkling expanded the fold and like killed a whole town on the other side uh she was like she was like oh my god like i did that and it's like girl you didn't he did 
But she feels but at the same time, it wouldn't have happened without her doing, it. <laughs> you know, at the same time, like some some of her indecision was so frustrating oh, to very, me. Very. Like, I don't think people were saying that Alina was positively unbearable. I don't think she was unbearable. Mm-mm. I do think she complained a lot in the beginning, but she was funny Honestly about it. Relatable. So it was OK. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, she's like, she's like, oh, stairs. And I'm like, so true, girl. <laughs> She's like, I wish I could just, I wish someone could just fucking kill me so I don't have to climb all these stairs. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Trauma. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, and then she like slowly gets more bearable. But that said, it also very much falls into that trap of someone who's very new to this like magic form. When all is said and done at the end of book three, she's been a Grisha for less than a year. Yeah, I know. And but I, the Darkling has been practicing his craft for literally centuries. And she killed him. She, she said, eh. She, she broke his heart, then, he, then she killed him. Well, I also as think it's should, like this girl, kind of thing. As you should. <laughs> a, as she should. Because I also think it's this kind of thing where he like was using her at first, but then he kind of like got attached to her as this only as the only other person, especially after Bagra, like, kills herself uh, in an act of martyrdom to stop her son. Bagra dies, by the way. Didn't say that in the summary. Spoiler uh, alert. <laughs> but uh, the longer, the more powerful Grisha are, the longer they live. So mm-hmm. Alina, if she hadn't lost her powers at the end of the third book, very well could have been essentially immortal, yes. you know? And I think that especially after the Darkling's mother killed herself, he was kind of looking forward to like keeping her trapped in eternity with him. Mm-hmm. But after she took that away from him, he was like, wait, 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 wait. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, this was not how it was supposed to go. But um, that said, I do hate how they kind of gave him like a semi-redemption arc, I guess, where it's like, he was like, he was just like this scared little boy who flew too close to the sun. No, Mm-mm. he like sexually assaulted women women, and volunteered them to be sexually assaulted. He fucking and sucked. And manipulated everyone around him. He literally and manipulated everyone and lied to everyone. I have no idea why the Grisha still, okay, no, I do know why the Grisha still took his side. The Grisha still took his side because he was like, if you go the other way, like technology is van- advancing too rapidly And the age of Grisha is going to end. So if you want to, like, still be fucking relevant and not burned at the stake, you need to follow me. So everyone was like, say less. Like, I don't I don't want that to be me because Ravka is one of the only countries in this world that doesn't kill Grisha on sight, essentially. Yeah. (laughs) Like, uh, Fjorda to the north uh, burns them at the stake. Shuhan to the south dissects them to see where their power comes from. So, like, Ravka is really the only safe place for Grisha, so they were kind of having their only sanctuary threatened. And even if that meant the fold expands and everyone submits to the rule of the Darkling, they were willing to put that aside, you know? But I don't like how she answered his final wishes of, like, a grave so no one can desecrate it. If he, if someone told me that after what he did to Alina, and, like, they did that to me, I would have been like, so I'm gonna get you a mausoleum? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to get you a mausoleum and uh, it's just going to be desecrated all the fucking time. And then when she was like, she was like at her own funeral or whatever, her like fake death. And everyone was like crying her name, burning him on the same funeral pyre. And then her being like, Alexander, 
He sucked. It's he so always bad. sucked. Why would you burn them together, though? I mean, you have a saint and a darkling. No, like, everyone was saying, like, oh, they don't deserve to be like that. And Alina was like, it just feels right. And it's like, girly, <laughs> look me in the eyes. <laughs> look me in the eyes. Alina makes some questionable decisions. But I do think, I do think it was right for her to do her fake death. I mean, she never wanted Oh, that I love the, the fake death place. decision. Yeah, I, I think it was such a good decision for her. But the whole time she's like, Alexander, if it's almost like you're still alive. Oh my god. Oh my god, no, seriously. Because like, girl, I just he freaking has brainwashed you. My thing that I hate the most is when books treat the ambition and greed uh, and the manipulation that comes from that, that is like present in villains, when they treat that as like a third uncontrollable monster. Like it doesn't truly come with from within. And it's like, Sure, you can make the argument all you want, all day, every day, that like, oh, like, he was alive for so long, he lost sight of what was important. And it's like, Bagra was fine. Mm -hmm. Bagra was older than him. And she wasn't fucking balls to the walls, batshit crazy, you know? In fact, she Not was power recognizing that he was batshit crazy. In fact, she, she not only recognized that, but she blamed herself. Mm -hmm. as the source of his ambition and greed and it's like sure that may be true like maybe you coddled him too much as a child maybe you told him he was the best person ever a little too much but girl there's only so much you can take credit for bagra mm -hmm. like you did not you are not at fault for the full monster you know you may have planted the seed but he is the one that nourished it he is the one that grew it yep. he's the one that let it bloom into an ugly little flower you know and he's the one that chooses to ignore when others call him out on it Exactly. Exactly. You want to talk about Mal and Alina? Sure. Actually, I'm curious. So in the first book, before you knew the Darkling was, oh my god, he's so horrible, you know? Um, I knew the Darkling was evil. Are you kidding? As soon as he, like, they're like, they call him the Darkling, I was like, so this is the bad guy. Even if he seems good, he's gonna be the bad guy. Was there uh, any point that you liked him with Alina more than you liked Alina with Mal? No. I knew he was manipulating her every time I saw him on the page. Because every time she started to ask questions, he was like, let me kiss you. <laughs> and it's like, oh, my God, of course. And then she's like, she's like, I forget what I was talking about. <laughs> and then it's like, girl, down bad. <laughs> no, but I like I liked Alina and Mal's relationship for the most part, because I think in the first book, especially because uh, Genya was the one that was taking Alina's letters and burning them. Wonder so Warriors. Mal thought that Alina had abandoned him and Alina thought that Mal had abandoned her, which is a communication issue, but not for lack of trying. Right. Yeah. So I can't I can't fault them for that because Mal was like, you like didn't try and reach out. And she's like, I wrote you like eight letters. And he's like, oh, I guess it's my fault then. Like, sorry. And then like <laughs> and then like he got he's snippy like, with bad. her because he was an idiot that didn't realize what he had until like she was with another guy. And then he's like, fuck, I'm so stupid. So he does get points marked off for being an idiot. Mm -hmm. uh, but then he does acknowledge that he is an idiot later. So points Bonus back off. points. <laughs> <laughs> I love their banter. They're very funny with each other. They, I don't know. There's something very special about their bond. And I think the only part where it got really infuriating was in the second book because it's called the middle book because it's always mid. Uh, uh... Where, like, he's like, there's this one point where, like, 
Mal goes to kiss Alina and she sees, she's seeing the Darkling at this point and she sees the Darkling like behind him. And so she like flinches away and he's like, oh, like if you don't want me, like fine. And she's like, wait, wait, like it's not that. And he's like, then what is it? And she's like too scared to tell him. But then later when she finally does open up about seeing the Darkling everywhere she goes, he's like, okay, bye. He's like, I can't deal with this right now. And he walks away. And it's like, are you fucking kidding me? That is the time to be like, I am so sorry. And go to her with open arms. Mm -hmm. Like, what the fuck was his problem there? I don't know. I think he was jealous about the Darkling, honestly. He was absolutely jealous, but it was misplaced jealousy because she was like, yeah, she was literally like, like, he was emotionally manipulating me. It's not like, well, yeah, I mean, she did tell him, but, you know. Guys don't think straight. Yeah, he's an idiot. Self-proclaimed idiot. Uh, And then, like, all the things with Nikolai. Because she was, like, very much the center of a love polygon for a second there. (laughs) She didn't uh, even want it. She was like, no. She's like, stop wanting me. (laughs) (laughs) There was a point where, like, she considered, like, Nikolai for a hot sec. And then, like, of course, like, at the end, Nikolai is like, listen, like, I, like, my offer still stands, but, like, I am a bastard, and I do not want any rumors circulating about any children that I might have. And she's like, okay, then I'm gonna go try and be with Mal. Like, Mm -hmm. good to know you. (laughs) I felt like Mal got more upset over the Darkling's relationship with her than he did over Nikolai's, which is funny because Nikolai had more of a chance. Yeah, Nikolai was more of a threat to him, (laughs) to be entirely honest. Because, like, like, even after... Even after Nikolai, like, kissed Alina, she was like, don't worry, I kicked him. And he's like, oh, that makes me feel better. (laughs) And it's like, she literally was about to kill the Darkling, and you're still, like, upset over that? He's not even there. No, exactly. Uh, And then in the third book, I don't know, his declarations of love were really sweet, where it's like, he's his whole thing is like, he's a tracker, and he's like, I will always find you. And I was like, I love thematic declarations of love when it, like, relates to their character or whatever. I will say Mom Um, has total anger issues though yeah he does have like it's not like it's like emotionally mm. like if he's it's like temper. feels threatened emotionally threatened then he's like mm, questionable <laughs> i would like to talk about i am become a blade oh my god <laughs> i forgot that was from this series so i was just like reading this book at like midnight last night and i saw i am become a blade and i was like it's so bad i was like falling asleep and i was like fucking laughing i was like oh my god not the not the broken translation which Uh i guess it's like that's really funny because you could tell he was like embarrassed about it when he said it it's like getting a tattoo and like you think it's like it says like power or something in kanji but it turns out it says like fried chicken or whatever no exactly (laughs) which i think is so funny Which is, like, like, I like how he didn't... She was like, what does it mean? And he was just honest about the bad translation. Right. And Alina was like, wow. (laughs) If they had taken a moment to laugh at it, I would have been like, okay. But she didn't even... She She just, like, took it at face value completely seriously. And... That's how you know that she's hooked on him. But it's like, damn, girl. (laughs) She's like, no, I love your bad tattoo that you got in my honor. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. That's like getting anyway. their name spelled out on your arm, but they spelled it wrong. <laughs> Alina with two L's. Really? He was not my favorite boy. I think Nikolai was my favorite boy. 
Hmm. Uh, I'm glad that Alina ended up with her childhood best friend and all, but I am looking forward to seeing Nikolai in Six of Crows. I think, and I haven't read it yet, so I don't know, but I think he's a more of a main character in the, like, Rule Book of Wolves. Book two. Wolves. No, like, there's... Oh, no. So there's Six of Crows, that's part of the Grishaverse, right? And then uh-huh. there's Rule of Wolves and um, another one that I think are Nikolai and what was the Grisha that Alina was like button heads with the whole time? Zoya? Zoya. Nikolai and Zoya. Do they fall in love? I don't know for sure, but that's what I've been seeing hinted towards. Yeah, they'd be a power couple. Wouldn't they? Yeah. I also, also like she's how- like a strong, capable woman and he's like, mm, that's hot. He's like, I love when women tell me no. <laughs> oh god. Oh god. Respectfully. That's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Respectfully. Please, please word that better. Uh I'm sorry. I didn't mean it like that. Um anyway, well, I forgot Nicolai, that she did roll. After your dad, huh? Oh my god, stop. <laughs> No, because he was so disgusted with it. Well, he's not even his dad. That's not even his real dad. Mm-hmm. He's a bastard of his mother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, uh, I do like Zoya because it wasn't this thing. Well, it started off as this thing where Alina was like, again, very symptomatic of 2012 writing where Alina girls was like, oh, I'm girls. not pretty. And every other girl is so pretty. And Mal <laughs> wants to take a tumble with all these other girls. And then I do like that in the third book, uh, Alina doesn't even have to finish the question. She's like, did you and Mal ever? And she's like, yes. <laughs> Ali- Zoya was like, oh, yeah, we did. <laughs> and I was like, so true, girl. I don't think that she's I don't think that she's bad. I just think no. that she's a little insensitive at times. But um, they just had you know what? a lot. Yeah, I can't they're say that I hate besties, her. They're not besties, but I don't think they're like enemies. Right. They they, just, they I mean, become there's amicable just some towards people the end. You don't get along with, and Zoya and Alina are those people. They just don't get along with each other. <laughs> but yeah, I had to. Uh, I'll have to read Rule of Wolves. Maybe we can put that in our list. Be kind of exciting. Right? I don't know if that one's the first one or the other one, and I don't know which one's first. Because it's like Rule of yeah. Wolves, and then what is it? It's like, that's not Clash I'm... of Kings. I think that's Game of Thrones. Uh, hang on. Too up. many of these books have the same naming conventions. How am I supposed to keep them straight? Right. Oh, yeah. Sorry, that's the second one. So King of Scars is the first King of one. Scars. And then... Then Rule of Wolves. But those, Wolves. I think, are Nikolai and... Zoya. Yeah, Young King Nikolai. Oh, and he's confronting the dark magic within him. Oh, right, because that was still a problem after he, uh, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, after after the Darkling died. Okay, can we talk about how, like, Nikolai was, like, fully in the air when the Darkling died, so when the Darkling, like, <laughs> died, his wings disintegrated and he ate shit on the ground. <laughs> that was funny. That was very funny. I was like, oh, he's fine. This, Don't worry about this it. This book series is pretty humorous. No, like, as far like as things go, it's very passion. funny. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Uh, shall we move on to ratings? It. I've been recording for an yeah, hour and eight minutes. Uh, it's gonna be a shorter episode, but yeah, we could totally... With ratings, I think it'll take us to about an hour. Yeah, so I think, I think it goes Six of Crows and then Rule of Wolves, or King of Scars. 
Really? I think King of Scars was published first. Was it? But Rule of Wolves is her new, her newer book. Hang oh, on. is it? Then maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. No, I could be wrong because I don't know anything. Okay, book details. King of Scars came out 2019, January 29th. Oh. And Six of Crows. Oh. This is a surprise. I didn't. Six of Crows came out 2015. Yeah, so it's Six of Crows and then it's King of Scars. So does it follow that chronologically? I'm not sure. I would assume so. Cool. Okay. There is some hinting at within Six of Crows that it might not be. I don't know. I would have to read it to know, but I haven't read it. Well, we can put it on the list along with Six of Crows, which... Spoiler alert, we're doing that episode next week, so stay tuned. Uh, See which man I will thirst after next time. Okay, if you're new here, we do ratings a little something like this. We have five categories, plot, prose, character, world building, and vibes. Uh, We will rate each of these on a scale of five to average them out for a total rating out of five stars. Honor, would you like to go first? Mm, Sure. Um, So I'm going to judge us based on 2012 YA books. Um, plot for a 2012 YA book. I thought this was pretty good. However, I was entirely bored by the second book. So, three stars. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Um, prose, I thought it was pretty well written. Uh, I really loved the pacing of the first book. I thought everything fit the story, everything fit um what i wanted from the book so prose was really well done to blend into all of that i didn't have anything that threw me out of the story um i i enjoyed it so four and a half stars okay characters um i thought they were all pretty well rounded but like you said there are a lot of characters that are kind of throwaway characters so four stars all right and then world building uh i actually really liked the world building five stars i was enjoying it and vibes that second book really drags me down so i'm gonna say 3.75 all right divided by five your rating is 4.05 stars let's just round that down to four it's a solid four star star read that's good to start uh season two that's good uh yeah now it's my turn my turn (laughs) to quote uh steve carell in despicable me i'm ready god uh for plot i'm gonna rate this series a solid four stars there were some like issues that i had with the pacing but i don't think that it dragged too much and not for my taste anyway i kind of enjoyed it I'm I just, just think that maybe some girly. things you're an action girly. I think some things were a little rushed and some things I was like, okay, I'm going to suspend my disbelief for that. So four stars, solid four stars. Uh, pros. I wish it was fancier. I think that if it were fancier, it would have fit the world a little bit better that she was trying to craft because it's this thing where it's like, I felt like the pros went very well with the dialogue, but there was just, 
kind of this thing that it wasn't quite bridging the gap between the beautiful world that she was building and what the characters were saying. It more closely aligned with what the characters were saying. Because you can have the characters be funny all you want. I but will... I would like to see a little bit elevated uh, dialect, mm-hmm. I guess. I will say I feel like Six of Crows will be really good for that for you. Oh, I'm so excited. Okay. So, so um, writing was prose. That was pros. That was three. Yeah, well, uh, three. Uh, character, I am going to give the characters four stars uh, because, again, it's like that throwaway character thing. But the characters that were there, I really did like. Mm-hmm. Uh, so solid four stars for that. World building, five stars. No notes. I loved it. The <sighs> it magic was system was thought out. I really enjoyed uh, how rich, especially, like, the wardrobes were. Because I feel like mm-hmm. a, a lot of times when, like, books just focus in on, like, one or two things and they do it really, really well... It really just enriches the world around them. And the wardrobe choices, especially, I was like, yes, like I am here. I am now. I am in the moment. I am in the world. So five stars for world building. I am become uh, vibes. a blade. <laughs> what? I am become a blade. <laughs> I am become a blade. They even got the bad tattoos. <laughs> and as as far as vibes go, uh, I'm going to read it. Solid 4.5. Good vibes. No, no further notes on that. Uh, right. Honor, what did I rate this book? Your rating is da, 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 da. that was me turned into drum roll. Uh, four point one stars out of five. A solid four star read to kick solid off the second season. Read. I would I, I agree. That. It's a four star read. It's not any higher, but it's good. Yeah, my rating might have changed uh, if I had read like Six of Crows first or something, but I didn't. Oh, I read this likely, first. Yeah. Uh, so no complaints. Uh, well, some complaints. That's so why you were you like, I want, about, I want to read Six of Crows. I want to read Six of Crows. And I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, we have to do Shadow and Bone. And you were like, <laughs> Yeah, but overall, pretty solid it. read. It was worth it. If I had discovered this back in 2012, I would have been insufferable. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I would have been like, I love Shadow and Bone. <laughs> I would have lost my mind. I wonder why. I don't know. I feel like this wasn't a book fair book. Like, there were some books from that era that were definitely at the book fair, like Legend, well, I think it was, Divergent. Yeah, I think it was so, like, just swamped over by other books that were so much more popular at the time. That it well, I'm glad really it's getting get its moment in the sun now. now. Yeah. Because it's a solid, solid read. It is. Um, anyway, with that, let's move into closing remarks. We upload episodes bi-weekly. That is once every other week, now on Mondays, not twice a week. Because now that is now on Mondays. <laughs> now, uh, now on Mondays? Now on Mondays. Now on Mondays. Anyway, the episodes are bi-weekly. That's once every other week, not twice a week, because that is too much reading. Too much. Especially when we're packing and moving to completely different states. Especially then. <laughs> the both of us. Plug the socials. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> We have social media. That's crazy. Um, we have Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, which we really need to catch up on. Um, They're only a little defunct. <laughs> at Young Adult Adult Reviews. All of our social media is behind, but we'll get there. Give us a follow and a like there, and you can also drop suggestions. Or if you're listening on Spotify, we do have an open question where you can drop your suggestions there. This wasn't a suggestion series, was it? No, I just suggested it. Okay, this was suggested by Honor, but the next episode could be suggested by you. <laughs> <laughs> you already um, know it's Six of Crows, so... 
You already know it's Six of Crows, so it won't be the next one. I, I wonder was if we Six have, of Crows suggested. On. That's what I'm looking for right now. I um, think Six of Crows was suggested, but ba- uh, yes, Shadow and Bone was not. Six of Crows was suggested by Manya Maiden on Spotify. I hope I said your awesome. Name right. If Wait, I I'm didn't, I'm sorry. It. <laughs> it's the very last one under requested reviews. It's our it's our latest requested review. <gasps> awesome from yeah. um Ma- Manya Madon Manya Maiden. Sorry, Manya. Uh, Sorry, anyway, Manya. Manya, this one, this next one's gonna be for you. So I guess, yeah, the next one will be a suggestion. <laughs> yeah, we keep uh, track of that. We'll keep we tra- we keep track about it. We have a document. We have a document with all the requests marked. If you suggested one you haven't seen it yet, it is on a list somewhere. We'll pull at it someday. Um, anyway, uh, thank you very much for listening through to our unsolicited opinions. We, we appreciate each and every one of you. We do. It's so much fun. And we're really excited that we made it a whole year. We're gonna and have maybe a we'll even do it again. That's crazy. Uh, anyway. If we don't get pissed off at each other. <laughs> yeah, if we don't fucking kill each other between grad school and having to keep up with this. Yeah. Um, with that said, uh, to another year. To that, another year is a wrap a wrap yay